It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Back. We're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right. And uh, it's good to be back. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. And I just had one last week. I had several, as a matter of fact. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Best Man of Plan is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting the story of Tom Molino told. Um, it's been a while. We've been, uh, we've been out for a week. And uh, we also delayed our comeback because uh, yours truly uh, came down with the flu, which sucked. But uh, it is what it is, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back. I'm getting back, and uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, uh, all the emails, some of the some of the tearful emails, uh, how much you guys missed the show, and some of the other ones, you know, uh, busting my you-know-whats. And then I got a bunch of emails to read today. Um, coming up later on the show, now between today and tomorrow, I, we got a lot of stuff to catch up, so if we don't get your email read today, rest assured, it'll be read tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to try to get to all of that today. But today, today, boys and girls, we are launching one of our new segments. Now, we, we promised you guys for 2018 we we're going to uh, unveil several new segments. And today uh, is the first of uh, several new segments. And uh, coming up later on the show, we will be doing our new segment called Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine. And what's in the Magic Boxing Machine today, boys and girls? Well, how about Roberto Duran versus Julio Cesar Chavez at lightweight? We're going to break down the fight. And I say we, meaning me, Sal Rocky Senecola, Alex Perpali, and Dax Khan. We're going to break down the fight. We're going to give you strength and weaknesses. We're going to give you our predictions of the fight. Then uh, my man uh, Alex is going to put this fight uh, into the title bout championship computer game. And uh, we're going to see what happens. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we also got, uh, uh, like I said, a bunch of emails to read. Uh, but the main thing, 
that I wanted to get going today because uh, it was the first significant fight of 2018. Errol Spence Jr. Uh, made a, uh, a world title defense this past weekend uh, and destroyed uh, Lamont Peterson uh, in that one. And um, yeah, the only thing that bothers me, and we'll get into the fight here in two seconds, but the only thing that bothers me about this fight was, you know, Errol Spence, which is, seems to be such a class act, this kid. And, uh, you know, he says, I, I, you know, I picked uh, Lamont Peterson because you know, I knew he was going to be a tough opponent and, and I didn't want to get uh, put in there with, with uh, a nobody or, or an unknown and et cetera, et cetera, and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and I agreed with everything he said. And then the very next day, the IBF announces that he must fight Carlos Ocampo next. And I'm like, you know, Carlos Ocampo. I, I mean, you know, and, and here lies the problem with boxing today. I mean, I can blame it, and I've said this many, many times. I think that the majority of the problem is the promoters and the network, et cetera, et cetera. But the real problem lies within all the sanctioning bodies and these mandatory title defenses. Here you have a kid in Errol Spence that clearly wants to fight Keith Thurman. Here you have Keith Thurman who claims he wants to fight the best. You have these two stars or, or beginning to become stars on a collision course. There's no reason to marinate this fight. And yet, in order for Spence to keep what the networks and promoters perceive as value, which is a title, he's got to make a mandatory defense against a guy that nobody wants to see him fight. Nobody wants to see him fight. So who gets to blame here? Is it fair to blame Spence? Is it fair to blame his promoter, his manager, the television network? Or do we point all the fingers at the IBF? Joining me right now from St. Simon's Island, uh, Joja, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Hey, good morning, Billy C. How are you there, my friend? Oh, not too bad, brother. But, you know, before we get into the fight itself, um, Carlos Ocampo, I, I mean, isn't this... Who? Who? Exactly. Isn't this where the problem lies with the sport? I mean, you know, Spence has to fight this guy, otherwise the IBF will strip him. And, and this is where the fans get screwed. What's your thoughts? Well, you're 100% correct. I mean, you know... Ocampo, I, I, let's see. I got to look at him and see. I'm sure he's a uh, good fighter, and uh, so the uh, the sanctioning body ranks him, and uh, he's the mandatory. But the bottom line is, we we don't know much about this guy, and you know uh, Lamont Peterson, we knew about, and you know you you want to have, like I said, the big difference, Bill, and we we say it over and over again, the 70s and 80s, and even some of the 90s fighters in the top the top of their division they sought out each other because they wanted to fight the best the best were always trying to challenge the best to prove that they were the best it's gotten out of hand because that's not so much the case today we have the world sanctioning bodies that want to always try to come up with uh, who pays the most money to rank their fighter up here first and uh, foremost has a mandatory I'm not saying that's always the case but you know, hey, you know the the boxing ring is 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 square on a lot of levels, but it's uh it's really not so square on on the business end of it. So you know it's uh it is what it is, and uh, unfortunately, 
that's what the fans are going to have to be able to endure. The the fights that we do not want to see or that we don't really care or know about. And we have to wait for the ones that blossom into the fights that we look forward to, that we do know, that we have uh, anticipation and, and desire to watch two top world-class fighters go at each other. It's you a know, shame. I, the, the point is, is, I mean, no disrespect to, to, to Carlos Ocampo. You know, no, uh, because, no you know, here, here, this is a guy that that has, you know, fought. Uh, he's maneuvered himself to, to a mandatory position, et cetera, et cetera. My point here is the fact that it, it's it's the sanctioning bodies themselves that prevent the fights that the fans want. You know, at the end of the day, in sport, in life, but in, in sports, the fans are, are should be driving it. I mean, you know the old saying, Sal: "Give the people what they want." In 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 respect to your business, you you own a restaurant. You know, if if people came to your restaurant for for your Italian cuisine, and you decided, you know, I don't feel like they're doing Italian anymore. I think I'm going to start serving cheeseburgers and hot dogs. And you know, people say, "Well, hey, Sal, you know, we we came all the way uh, to 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 get your world famous pizza, or we wanted to try your veal, or we wanted to, uh, you know, try, try one of your specials, or et cetera, et cetera." You know, you know what? I, I'm thinking about serving cheeseburgers and hot dogs now. You know, I, I mean, I, you wouldn't be successful. You know, I, I mean, the bottom line is you got to give the people what they want. And I don't understand. Every other friggin' sport tries to give the fans what they perceive. As wanting, as what the fans want, except for boxing. Boxing tries to fleece and screw the fan and, and make the fan wait. And then then we turn around and say, woe is me. What's wrong with the sport? It's not the way it was years ago. Oh, 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 the fighters don't want to fight. The this and that. You know, and, and, and it's a joke. You know, the bottom line is the fans want to see Keith Thurman fight Errol Spence. The fans want to see... You know, uh, 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 my man uh, Anthony Joshua fight Deontay Wilder. You know, I, I mean, it, it's it's BS. You know, and you and I had a conversation off the air the other day uh, about uh, the fights and and everything. And and we both understand that the fighters today, life today, is about money, unfortunately. And and these guys are are being driven. They're like a joystick. They're being driven by the money. And they don't care. The pride factor's not there. All they care about is the money. And, and you know, you have a bunch of fans that accept that. And, and then you have the fighters that say, well, you know, I, I don't care who I fight. I'll fight anybody as long as I get paid. And that desire to think outside the box or fight outside the box or prove that they're better than, than the standard is lost. And, and I think the, a huge contributor aside from promoters and networks, are the sanctioning bodies themselves. Yeah, well, we do understand that. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. They're, they're in the business of boxing, and they have to do their thing and, and flex their muscles and, and have their rules, regulations, and, and titles respected, and, and that's why. You know, and I, I get it. I understand. But, you know, then let's legitimately have people ranked, and, and let's, let's uh, have these fighters that deserve these opportunities to to be out there and and to show uh, that they are the best. And uh, the bottom line is, it's it's it is what it is. We're gonna have to watch the ebb and flow of boxing. 
hopefully we'll see our fights that we want the uh, the uh, the ones that uh, will put uh, uh, the two top combatants of the weight division or maybe top five or top three that they'll do that whole thing I usually call a round robin event where they'll be fighting each other and and, and going on to fight the other winners and things like that but you know they gotta toss in a little bit of their 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 sauce their 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 meaning they're they're rank fighters and i understand that and that's gonna happen it's just a shame it's just a shame because i agree with you fight fans know which fights they want to watch and unfortunately the sanctioning bodies uh shove down the throats of of many um the fights that they say are mandatory well, you know, here's the thing. Forget about ebb and flow. Forget about all of that. What you want is is a constant. Boom, 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 boom. Like a yeah. fight. You know, you're in a fight, and you get your jab going, and next thing you know, you're finding a home for your right hand if you're an orthodox fighter. You know, and then boom, you know, you're going. Bam, 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 boom, 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 boom. You get into a rhythm, right? Well, well, business is the same. You know that. You know, you get an exciting fight. Uh, so keep the rhythm going. Keep it going. Get another exciting fight. Keep those fans captivated. Keep them hooked. Don't let them get off the line. You know, if you're in fishing talk, you know, set the hook. Pull them into the boat. You know, the thing is, is that what they do in, in, in boxing today is they, they, they hook a fish. They hook a fan, which is, you know, fresh fresh fish, right? They hook the fan, and then they then they cut the line. Hey, you know, screw it. We'll try and hook them again later on, you know? And, and, and they let it go. They let that that intensity, that 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 desire, uh, you know, the possibility of, of developing a, a fan base. They let it go because they 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 burden the fan with an undesirable fight in between, you know. And and I don't have a problem with these kinds of guys fighting each other on the way up. But once you get to that point where you're being considered a a top guy, a top guy in your weight class, or even a, they're talking pound for pound. Uh, for for Errol Spence right now. When you get to that point, fans don't want to see you fight El Campo. They want to see you fight another guy that thinks he's better than you. Errol uh, Errol Spence against uh, Keith Thurman. You know I, they don't want to see. Uh, it's it's a shame. And I, you know I I, you got to keep the momentum, Sal. That's what I'm talking about. The momentum is what's at risk here. You you are so correct, Bill. And I will tell you. That is the next fight I want to see. I would love to see Errol Spence fight Keith Thurman. And, and you know what? That would be great. And as we often say, each fight will lead to another. And, uh, you know, there'll be a Sean Porter. There'll be this. There'll be that. There's going to be a great slew of welterweights out there that will rise to the occasion and bring out their own best and maybe even be uh, more well-known and, and uh, special on that level. But the the best brings out the best. And, you know, it's it's – unfortunate that we do not have to well that we have to wait around to see the best of the best and sometimes we'll never will well the fight itself is past saturday and and again boys and girls sorry we're talking about it now but uh between uh, traveling back from our great event and by the way another great we're event uh at the sea palms uh, sal and i did and uh it's I'll, I'll talk a little about the fights and stuff uh with our new uh uh, Billy C's magic boxing machine uh, uh, segment that we're doing, Roberto Duran against Julio Cesar Chavez, because we got to see an, a really early uh, Roberto oh, Duran fight. And, man, what, did he look like a baby? He, he looked like a kid in there, you know. But, uh, 
what a what a great uh, time and and you know we we are going to start talking about doing another one but it's going to be a little different so you you guys can't miss it uh, we we filled the room this time and uh, we want to make it uh, originally we did it a, a whole weekend and that's what we're going to be shooting for again over the summer uh, so uh, listen you guys know you've been wanting to come down uh, and uh, now's the time and speaking of get, getting people you know I, I got my my man Randy uh, Gordon in the uh, chat room over on the Facebook. Oh man, feed. Randy! And uh, he, as you guys know, he does Love a show uh, with my uh, my man Jerry Cooney, former uh, world heavyweight title challenger. And I know Jerry uh, likes. Uh, well, I know he likes uh, a bunch of things, but I know specifically he likes to do two things: smoke a good cigar and play golf. And guess what? We could give Jerry all of that if he comes down. Right? We'll get Randy and Jerry to come down next time, Sal, because uh, uh, that would be fun. Uh, having those fun. guys. Fact, the, la- uh, the last time I saw Jerry, we were training at Gleason's gym on 30th Street and 8th Avenue, and his trainer was Victor Valley. Yep. And uh, same thing as Billy Costello. Billy Costello was there too, and Billy, Billy, we, we, we would spar. We, I mean, it was really neat. And also in that stable, I think they had was it from Brooklyn or Staten Island? This fighter who uh, it was known as Johnny the Heat Vetterosa, and. Uh, he would come in there. He was the flash in a pan. Uh, and then uh, Billy Costello. You also had uh, the commentator, well, Teddy Atlas. He was there. He was part of that whole team uh, with Victor Valley uh, and Bill Costello, that whole uh, whole unit there. They were always there. So I'm moving in the ring. There was a couple of rings in Gleason's gym. And, and I'm, I'm shadow boxing, moving the ring and, you know, waiting for a sparring partner to show up. And it comes into the ring comes Jerry Cooney, and he's like twice my size. He's more than and twice your size. He's more than twice your size. He's got to be five easy, times your size. Jerry, so Jerry's a monster. Come on. Starts moving and dancing, like like plodding through the ring, shadow boxing, and he's giving me that evil eye, like hey, uh, lightweight, get the hell out of my <laughs> ring. <laughs> like. Well, should I? Is this my new bar partner? <laughs> hey, I want to give a shout out to Marlon Starling, uh, who was with oh, us uh, down in uh, St. Simons. He's he's also in the uh, Facebook uh, uh, chat area. So, uh, my man Marlon. Without Marlon, we wouldn't have had uh, uh, a successful turnout. That's for sure. And I tell you, do the fans love hanging out with Marlon Starling or what? What a what a delight! What man? I, he, what a gentleman! What a class act! And what an incredible fighter he was. And uh, he still is. I'm telling you this. I love I love spending time with Marlon. We uh, we, we we enjoyed it. we enjoyed our company. We enjoy our conversation. And the fans down here at the Sea Palms in St. Simon's Island, the fans love Marlon Starling. They love him. They love him because well, he gives himself to these fans, and and they love him. Well, the next time we have Marlon come down, and Marlon, you'll hear it here first. Uh, the next time he comes down, we're going to put together a uh, compilation of uh marlin's uh greatest hits greatest yes. victories um and uh we're going to uh show that uh before we intro uh marlin so he, he can, can talk uh, about yeah so he can get some uh, uh conversation but all those guys already knew uh who uh marlin i think marlin starlin was one of the best fighters of all time and and truthfully i I'm, it really pisses me off and that's one of the main reasons i haven't i haven't gone to the international boxing hall of fame the last two years and one of the reasons it's because 
I'm not going to go until Marlon gets in because. Well, I think we should go this year. You, we should plan and have Marlon join us. Yeah, but Marlon, we should but, do a thing outside of Graziano's, and we should make a stand for to to see the who's who's there and and uh, nominate Marlon to be considered to be inducted the following year. Well, he should be. He should have already been he in. Should, but, he should have already been. But I'm telling you, we got to show up with Marlon Starling. We're going to have our little table out there, and we're going to do it. Watch. We're going to do it this year. We're going to make it a, I'm not a, a going. present. I'm not, no one. I'm, not, I'm not going to the Hall of Fame until they put him in. I'm not doing it. Oh, we're there's gonna and there's, no, there's no reason. Out. There's no interest for me there anymore. You know, it's it's become Ed Brophy has turned, and I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to. Ed Brophy has turned what used to be the best event for boxing fans yeah. into uh, uh, basically – the way, let me tell you something. When that first started, when that Hall of Fame first started, you were able to interact. Like, you, you'd be walking on the grounds, grabbing a sausage and pepper like I used to do, like I still do when I go, and uh, all of a sudden bump into uh, Marlon Starling or bump into Leon Spinks because yeah, they were hanging out. Now, that's not what happens. If you go there... And, and Ed Brophy, the director of the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame, brings the fighter in. They, they herd these guys in and out like cattle. They stuff them in that crappy hotel, the only one in Canastota. They, they, they herd them in inside and, and uh, around. You know, they, they have this schedule. You know, they, they want to charge you to, to see these guys. And these guys, the whole beauty of the Hall of Fame is giving the guys the time and the access to the fans. There is nobody more approachable in sports than boxing, you know, than boxers, former fighters. They love their fans. And and in a way, True. Ed is, is restricting the fans from, from interacting. And what he's promoting are, are memorabilia collectors. When I witnessed a kid that's waiting online, all right, to get an autograph, and in front of him is a guy with five and six photos of, of the, the guest uh, uh, person that was signing. I don't even want to mention names. Uh, and he's having the guy sign them all so he can sell them. And then Ed Brophy, oh, that's it, time's over. And the kid didn't even get the autograph. The kid, you know, a potential future boxing fan. No, I'm sorry. I am not supporting that anymore. And it, it hurts me uh, to, uh, to miss it. I, to tell you the truth, the only time I go now is if there's a boxing event that I'm going to cover, uh, I'll go. I'll grab a sausage and pepper. <laughs> I love Carmel. I love Carmen Basilio sausage. But uh, I'll grab a sausage and pepper at the tent, and uh, and that's it. So I, you know, we we can talk about, it, but no, until they put Marlon. I Marlon should be in the Hall of Fame. I know he should. I know he should. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it, really. No, and uh, I, I, he will be in there. I, I just want to see him sooner than later, and he deserves it. Yeah, no he's doubt. a warrior, a great guy, and class act, and he's a tribute. He's a positive figure. He's a tribute to boxing. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, Sal and I will, and I promise, give you our thoughts. <laughs> I know we went off topic here, but we will give you our thoughts uh, on the Errol Spence uh, Jr. demolishing uh, Lamont, you dummy, Peterson, uh, coming up uh, in about two. Billy will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? 
Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, glad you could be with us. And just before I went to break, I promised you guys and gals that we will be talking about the fight that took place this Saturday. And uh, we certainly will. I'm here with my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Errol Spence Jr. made the first uh, defense of his IBF World Welterweight title, a successful one, uh, out of Brooklyn. Uh, he beat uh, Lamont Peterson. Now, Lamont Peterson, in my opinion, Lamont Peterson is a quality fighter, or at least was. Uh, I, for some reason, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Um, but uh, but I tell you what, Errol Spence made him look uh, less than ordinary on Saturday night. To be honest with you, as I watched the fight and then watched it again, I uh, can't really find any deficiencies in Errol Spence except for one thing: he did take some shots. He did take some shots. At times, his, he was he was open for for punches. Lamont was able to land, but. I don't know if he's got a granite chin. I don't know if Lamont Peterson doesn't have any snap behind his punches anymore. Or I don't know if it's just the youth factor. But not once did it seem to slow him down or even have any kind of effects on this kid. He just walked through him, and that was that. He broke down uh, Lamont Peterson, and uh, ultimately uh, the uh, the fight was uh, stopped uh, uh, by the start of the eighth round. And, you know, I, I witnessed something in that corner that I wish more corner uh, people, you know, would do. Now, now, obviously, Barry Hunter is more of a father figure to Lamont Peterson, but he could see his fighter was not going to win this fight. As a matter of fact, Lamont Peterson was saying the same thing. He was saying, I, I, you know, I can't box this guy. I, I mean, I got to go for the knockout, I, you know. And um, he says to him, do you want me to stop this fight? And Lamont Peterson looks at him and says, "It's your call." Now, to me, oh, wow. that's the he said that's that? saying. I he said, yeah, you know yeah. me. He said it's your call. He says, "He goes, it's your call." And and the choice, the, the the truth of the matter is, when a fighter says it's your call, meaning you know he's he was okay with either decision, but when he says it's your call, that's saying, "Yeah, stop this fight." And and uh, Barry Hunter, he thought for a minute. And, and and I swear to God, I I could see it pained him to do it, and he just said, "No, nah, I'm stopping the fight. The fight's over." And he stopped the fight. I thought it was the right move. Uh, he saved his fighter from uh, uh, additional punishment. He didn't have a chance to win that fight, and I thought he did the right thing. And a lot of times, Sal, I wish more corner men would make those tough decisions and not be so tough for their fighters while the fighter is taking a beating. Because uh, Errol Spence was just going to hurt Lamont Peterson as this fight went on. It had, by the time the eighth round uh, was uh, was over, um, it was, or I should say by the start of the eighth round, but, you know, by the time the seventh round was over, um, there was no need to keep this fight going. Uh, Lamont Peterson wasn't going to uh, come up with uh, any any inner strength or found energy or anything. This fight was over. I agree with the call. What was your thoughts on the fight and the performance uh, by uh, uh, by Errol Spence Jr. Well, you know, I'm an Errol Spence fan, and I'll tell you what. He, here's a guy. You look at Errol Spence. From the opening bell, 
here's a guy who is so fundamentally sound, you know, a, a great southpaw. He keeps his hands up. When he throws a punch, he returns it to the upright position. He's, uh, he's in perfect balance. He delivers his shot. He does a body attack. And, uh, I mean, I couldn't give him enough accolade, accolades. I, I, I really enjoyed watching him fight. And as you suggested, yes, he totally dismantled uh, Lamont Peterson. He broke him down. He hit him with the body shots to the side. He, he uh, had that jab continually out there. First of all, get his own range and distance, but also as a, as an, a, a, a weapon to open up for that left hand to come over and the right hook. Uh, he was vulnerable to a right lead occasionally, um, and I think he could take a good shot. He got caught with a few shots. But the guy fundamentally is a sound fighter. He comes in to fight. He's conditioned. He, 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 I, I love him. I think he does, does all the basics correctly. And uh, I hope uh, to see some big, big things from, uh, from him. I think he's got all, all the arsenal. And I think it's going to be a great thing to watch him mature as a good, solid welterweight. What, what, what I enjoy about Errol Spence Jr. and guys like Terrence Crawford and some of these, uh, you know, up-and-coming younger fighters, they're breaking the success mold of, of, in my opinion, one of the biggest frauds in boxing. I'm not going to mention his name, but you guys know who I'm talking about. They're willing to engage. The sweet science doesn't mean run away. The sweet science means, you know, avoid being punched, but... Inflict damage on your opponent. And Errol Spence and guys like, uh, like I mentioned, Terrence Crawford and, and Keith Thurman to a degree, um, are, are, are willing to engage. And that is what boxing's all about. And, and the more I watch, uh, you know, as we do our, our new fight series that we, we have, Sal, and, uh, you know, we're, we're having the opportunity to rebroadcast some of these great fights. Um, you know, I, I see these older fighters, these older time, oh, oh, uh, well, you know, from previous generation fighters, and they all did that. All the great ones engaged. That's why their 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 names are still etched in stone because you have the memories of these guys. And Errol Spence is well on his way uh, to uh, to have people remember him for a long time. After the fight, uh, he says, uh, "Everybody knows." Uh, I've been waiting on sometimes Keith Thurman, which I really like because I like that he uh, he refers to himself. That. His nickname is One Time. He says, uh, "Since I was 15 and 0, I've been calling this guy out, and he keeps making excuses." He says, "Let's get it on." I didn't know I was going to dominate Peterson like I did. I expected to get the knockout, uh, but but this was a great performance. We were facing a great fighter in Lamont Peterson, and we did well in there. I could tell Lamont was wobbling before I got him down. It was just a great feeling. Uh, to put on a strong performance. The bottom line is I want Keith Thurman. He has two of the belts, and we both have big names. It's an easy fight to make. I want it. You know, I love uh, it. I, and, and the truth of the matter, and then, then you know, 24 hours later, the IBF says, oh, you got to fight Carlos Ocampo. And he was like, who, who, who's that, man? Is, 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 is that a fighter? You know, but uh, uh, in any event, like I said in the opening of the show, uh, that's the problem. Uh, with the sport today. Uh, the co-main event that was broadcast was uh, Robert Easter Jr. And I got news for you. Uh, I thought Robert Easter lost this fight. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, Javier Fortuna won the fight. He was a busier fighter. He was landing the harder punches. Uh, the way the judges scored it, 114-115 uh, to uh, 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 Robert Easter Jr. Uh, the same score to Fortuna. And then the, the plant judge had at 115-112 uh, 
uh, for Robert Easter Jr. Uh, to give him the uh, uh, the majority decision win uh, or split decision win, I should say. Um, I think Fortunia got robbed in this fight. I, well, robbery is a, is a tough word, but I think he won the fight. I'm okay with 114-115. I even think, uh, you know, it was a big, I think the 115-112 score the other way. Uh, Fortuna landed to harder punches, was more active, had more energy. Uh, Easter would look like he was half dead every time he went back to his corner. Uh, the guy just doesn't know how to utilize his, his height and reach. Uh, I think this is a, a, a great example, Sal, of when fighters are, are so overprotected, they're not, they're not given an opportunity to develop. And that's what we have in this new crop of fighters. We have uh, athletically talented fighters that have just not been given the opportunity to get better at their craft of boxing because they're coddled. And Javier Fortuna was a kind of a guy that Robert Easter should have had no problem with. And instead, Fortuna was the one that got robbed. And most of the people in the Barclays Center on Saturday night agreed because every time uh, Easter tried to uh, uh, talk when he was being interviewed, he was getting booed. What was your thoughts on that fight? Yes, I, I agree with you, and uh, I only saw some highlights of that fight. I missed uh, missed the most of it, but uh, I will tell you this: I think that uh, what you say is so right. You got to engage in, in the in the trenches, and uh, when you when you're trying to look like you just want to avoid a punch and everything else, and then not engage and not be in range enough to punch back. Yeah, you're going to have your fans a little bit uh, suspicious and a little bit questioning about what you're doing in the ring there. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I feel that uh, Fortuna, uh, his value went up. Easter's went oh, down. Oh, big time! And yeah. and you know, again, you know, when you look at fights like this, and then you look at the judges, and you say to yourself, you know, how can they, how can they score a fight? You know, now granted, it wasn't a blowout. It could have been either one's fight, but you know, I, I always think of uh, think of this: when you look at the fighters at the end of the fight, and you have a close fight. And one guy's all puffed up, beaten up, and everything else. And the other guy doesn't seem to have a scratch on him. And then the decision goes to the beat up, puffed up guy. You got to say to yourself, how did he get all puffed up? You know, I mean, obviously some punches were landed. You know, if I know we talk about the scoring criteria, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if we land the same amount of punches and, you know, Mine are harder than yours, and we land the same amount. I should be winning around. And by the way, the broadcast—I I, I can't. No, everybody knows I can't oh, stand oh, that. Mario oh, Mor Ronaldo, but but I, he I, was yelling and screaming. And and the worst thing was—I don't know if you caught this—but they were talking about the punch stats, and you know how they talk about the punch stats as if they're uh, they're they're you know true data when it's when it's really uh, you know opinionated uh, uh, scoring, but. You know, as they're talking, I'm watching the scores change. You know, like they're 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 counting punches that weren't even thrown. They they had the live counter going right, and they're counting punches that weren't thrown. They were counting punches that didn't land as landed. And and I when I said oh it's you know basically subjective. Now I feel even even stronger about that. Those punch stats are total bullshit, Sal. Oh, I forget about it. You're you're so correct. I think that uh, you know it. it it's used as a barometer or measurement, but I'll tell you, it's it's still subject to human error, and uh, it's it's also opinion. You know, what's an effective shot? What's a glance? What's this and that? You you've got these guys, you know, toggling these little these little tickers, and and uh, 
it's uh it's definitely uh, subject to too much of human error too and opinion um but uh it is what it is you know the 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 guys i they were so off on their announcement i i felt so you know they're talking about when when even when errol spence was dominant they, it, it took him two minutes to say because i'll give you credit i'll give lamont peterson credit he even after he got dropped, he battled back. I mean, the guy came back. He, I mean, he tried to show that he was in the fight. Well, he's got and, heart. He's got heart, and he showed that. You know well, what I mean? He did. And, but these guys didn't acknowledge it till almost the end. Oh, oh, he's coming back. No, I you mean, know, they're, they're, was, yeah, they're, they're they're corporate. Hold that thought. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, uh, we will uh, finish up on that and uh, start reading some emails because I, I I'm backed up with emails. Big time, so uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, we got some emails to read, Sal. And uh, before we do... Uh, I just want to point out, you know, I, I get criticized. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Believe it or not, I, I, I get criticized. But, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua is the face of boxing right now. Make no mistake, he is. And if you don't believe it or you don't want to believe it or you don't think that he can beat every heavyweight out there or maybe he can, maybe he can't, but at least he's willing to try, consider this. They sold over 70,000 tickets already for his fight with Joseph Parker that's taking place on March 31st. As a matter of fact, they're opening up, I think, Monday. They're going to be selling uh, some more uh, just to accommodate the demand for it. You know, who else can sell 70,000 tickets for a live gate performance? You know, uh, uh, the, the, the pig of, of boxing uh, was a great pay-per-view draw. But he couldn't sell 70,000 live tickets, I'll tell you that right now. So uh, 70,000 already. And here's a guy that's, what's he, de- what's he done, Sal? He's done, it was 90,000 for uh, for Klitschko. He, he fights his last fight against the slug pretty much. And I think they had 70,000 there. He's fighting Joseph Parker for another 70,000. Um, plus, they'll be selling more. Um, he's going to get tons of pay-per-view on that fight. I mean, if anybody's out there that doesn't think that he's the face of boxing, I don't know what to tell him. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's right there. It's it's black and white proof. I mean, he's a big draw. He's a he's a big attraction, and people love to watch him fight. He does a great great job in the ring, and and his uh, fans are supportive of him, and uh, they're going to come and watch him fight live. And I think it's a great tribute to him and i think uh it's a great statement that you said because he resembles or replicates the and is a great example of the face of of the heavyweight division and i do not disagree with you either um let's get some emails out the way uh remember Uh, boys and girls we've got our new segment billy c's magic boxing machine 
Uh, and this first episode, Roberto Duran against Julio Cesar Chavez at lightweight coming up uh, at the next break. So uh, uh, Sal and myself and uh, Alex Papali and Dax Khan will uh, all be uh, talking together uh, about the dream matchup between Roberto Duran and Julio Cesar Chavez at lightweight. Oof, uh, it gives me boy, chills. Boy. I, I wish uh, I wish they could have fought. You know, the thing is, they could have fought, but not at lightweight. Duran was already uh, uh, past uh, that. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Uh, first email. And again, we have a bunch of emails. So if I don't read yours today, I promise it'll be read by tomorrow. Uh, this first one is uh, from Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, I like the performance by Spence. He showed technique, patience, combos, and footwork. Are you surprised the TV ratings were so low? Supposedly 637,000. Uh, I just heard IBF ordered Carlos Ocampo versus Spence. He should be very active this year, even though he is with the PBC. I would like him to fight Porter, uh, Panamarov, or Adrian Granados next. Um, it doesn't surprise me about the views because of what I said before. You know, if you want to increase the viewership, you take a fight. And a performance like Errol Spence did. And you keep going up. You don't go down the hill with... Uh, they don't rob the train coming down the mountain. They rob the <laughs> train guesses. going up the mountain. You know? But, uh, um, you know, the thing is, is you don't, you don't uh, you know, expect to increase ratings when you have them fight a, a, a guy like Lamont, you dummy, Peterson... And then you, you follow it out with Carlos Ocampo. I, I mean, listen, they shoot themselves in the foot. It's stupidity. And the reason is because they don't know boxing. Like Floyd Mayweather Sr. said, you don't know boxing. You know, but uh, uh, as far as fighting Panamarov or Granados next or even Porter, no. I want to see him fight Keith Thurman next. That's the fight we want. You have that fight. The winner of that fight will create another fight that we'll want to see. And then that opens up other fights for the loser. The loser fights Sean Porter or Granados, etc., etc., and then the winners of those fights earn themselves another shot. That's how you keep momentum going, right, Sal? Oh gosh, you just got it right on the head, man. That's a prescription that you should fulfill or fill with these fighters out there. I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. You keep the momentum, keep the ball rolling. And talk about the, the networks real quick for a minute. This weekend. We got a great fight with the World Boxing Super Series, and, and unfortunately, we won't get to talk about that today. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And no U.S. television. You know, talk about being a bunch of jerks. The U.S. television guy, why they didn't get these this series? They should have learned their lesson after the first heat when they went through the first um, uh, fights, and every single one of them were exciting, and yet the powers that be still still did not pick up any U.S. television rights for these fights. This was one of the best tournaments ever that no Americans are getting to see unless you uh, find it some other way. But uh, anyway, he says, do you like the Charlo versus Santano? Is this an entertaining fight? I, I don't like it because Charlo is, is one of these guys. He's like Robert Easter Jr., we haven't really gotten to see Charlo because he hasn't been put in there with anyone that's able to challenge him. And Centennial's not going to challenge him either. Charlo's a big guy. This is BS. What they're doing, the PBC is a smokescreen. Anybody that thinks that Al Heyman is all for the fighters, you're an idiot. Because all Al Heyman is doing is creating a smokescreen and lining his pockets with cash. And if you think it's any different, then you're an idiot. 
He says Easter has just problems uh, using his height and reach to boxing uh, when he's boxing. He should uh, be beating guys like Fortuna pretty easily. Or maybe he should challenge other champions to see what he has versus those champs. I said it earlier. I agree with you, Jesse. He doesn't know how to utilize his, his height and reach. But then again, is it really his fault or is it his management's fault that haven't put him in with guys and given him a, 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 an opportunity to get better? You know, when you increase your level of opposition, you get better. When you don't, you don't. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science, yeah. Al. You know, no, I mean, you, I mean you, come you. on. You outlined it perfectly. That's exactly the, that's exactly how fighters it's work. It's funny. You're laughing because it's funny. It, it's, 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 it's it's funny. funny. That they don't do this today. exactly. It's, it's amazing. Right. It's it's and and you know what? And then the fans are so quick to blame the fighter. Oh, he was over it. Up, oh, he was exposed. Up, oh, he was this. And really, it's not the fighters because let's truth be told. As much as I'm a historian, and as much as I love all the older fighters, you know the truth of the matter is is today's athletes are way more athletic. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Their nutrition is better. They know how to work out better. They're better. The problem is they're not better because they don't fight each other. You know, they don't have the, the strength mentally. They have the strength physically, but not mentally. Mentally, we as a society, I say we, because we become a bunch of pansy asses. It's so true. You know, when we talk about this, when we used to go to school, we used to uh, see kids walk to school or wait for the bus. Now, they don't walk to school. Mom drives them in the minivan. And if they get on the bus, they drive them from the house to the bus stop in the minivan. Because God forbid they get wet or get cold or something. You know, uh, it's a joke. It's a joke. I love watch. I love driving by bus stops and seeing a line of minivans lined up where everybody's sitting in the minivan until the bus pulls up. Then they take their sweet-ass time getting on the bus. You know, I, I mean, I, I remember a bus driver. Man, you would... This guy created track stars because if, if you wouldn't run fast enough to get on that bus, he used to laugh as he's closing the door. See, that's cool, sucker! And you drive away. You know, it's like, what that's the right. That's you know? right, man. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Oh, uh, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, Billy, there's been lots of talk of Manny Pacquiao versus Lomachenko. Do you think this bout can happen? Maybe top rank is using Manny Pacquiao as a stepping stone to showcase Lomachenko uh, to the vast boxing fans who would watch it. Um, you know, uh, I, I would watch it. You know, I, I mean, uh, I think that I think that that would be a cash out for, for Manny Pacquiao, uh, but it would still be an interesting fight. I, I don't know what Manny Pacquiao is still in the conversation for. They were trying to put him in the conversation on Saturday night. Um you know, he's got other things. He's got nothing else to prove. He couldn't beat Jeff Horn. Uh, no disrespect to Jeff Horn, but when if you can't beat Jeff Horn, um, you know, if you're if you're Manny Pacquiao and you can't beat Jeff Horn, it's over. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we'll learn a little bit later. Julio Cesar Chavez with his uh, great career, you know, his last fight, he couldn't continue against Grover Wiley. You know, I, I mean, that's when you know your career is over. You know, when when you get put in with somebody that should have been a, a you know an easy fight while you're you know thinking about what you're going to do after the fight while you're pummeling this guy and next thing you know you lose that's when you look in the mirror and say I'm finished and uh, Manny Pacquiao should have already looked at himself in the mirror after the Jeff Horn fight and again no disrespect to Jeff Horn because he's an exciting fighter and I hope he does get better um, uh, I don't I think his style is just what it is I think Jeff Horn is what he is uh, but Manny Pacquiao, there's no need for him to continue fighting. At least that's my opinion, Sal. That's my opinion as well, too. I, I tell you, 
uh, especially if he didn't get that rematch with Jeff Horn right away, there's no need for him to uh, continue fighting. And, and I think he could be so much more productive in what his heart leads, uh, you know, as far as uh, getting involved with politics. And and uh, I think that uh, that's a whole nother life for him. And, you know, he could always show up at the big fights and always be uh, treated like a, a superstar that he, that he has been in boxing. But, uh, you know, to see him just become fodder for these young bucks coming up or something else is not the way I, I think that Manny Pacquiao should be remembered and that what he would even like to be. And, you know, he's always going to be a fighter. You always, always have that in your heart. But I think it's time that he really looks in the mirror and says, hey, I, I got to go do other things. Well, maybe he's a fodder now, but in his younger days, he was, a, he was a mutter. But um, anyway, um, this next one's from my man. Uh, th- thanks for the email, Jess. Uh, this next one is from uh, my man, Matt. From Buffalo, he says, uh, hey, Billy C., I hope you and the gang had a great time in uh, Georgia this past week. We did. Thank you. Wish you were there. You should have come down. Uh, He says, uh, I'm sure the weather was better than up here. Um, It was. And every day it got better and better. Uh, He says, uh, I was fortunate enough to witness the truth in action this past weekend. Spence put on quite a boxing clinic. He worked the body, applied constant pressure, and broke down Peterson in effective fashion. I was very impressed at the consistency of his work rate. After seven rounds, the pressure was a constant barrage, and he still looked as if he uh, had just walked into the arena. You know, I noticed that, too. The guy wasn't even tired. He wasn't sweating, nothing. No. He says, Spence, oh, God, this is my new favorite guy, Matt Matt Quinn. He says, Spence is the anti-Mayweather to me. He is, and I said that before, any true great fighter that uh, is on his way to being great or trying to establish his greatness engages and they're exciting. They make you remember things, just like uh, my man Matt has described. When you think of Floyd, you don't think of nothing except money. You don't think of nothing except beating up women or, or pimply-faced security guards. The guy's a... Eh. Anyway, he's, he's a, 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 a sorry excuse for your human being, Mayweather. But Errol Spence, gotta love him. Anti-Mayweather, I agree with uh, Matt here. He says, instead of a shoulder roll snoozer, he provides a brutal... A Duran barrage to the body. Spencer's only weakness so far has been his limited activity under the Heyman PBC label. An elite fighter should be fighting at least three times a year from both an athletic uh, as well as promotional standpoint. I can only hope that Spence gets three fights this year. With that being said, I had a few quick uh, items I was hoping you and Sal could weigh in on. Why can't the PBC and Al Heyman make a star or give their type fighters dates? Bob Arum and Eddie Hearn would never squander prime fighters with one date a year. The top stars of PBC also have not generated the buzz of their counterparts in other promotions. Do you think Al Heyman would allow Thurman to duck Spence? Uh, or if not, when should we expect to see that fight? Okay, well, uh, let me let me answer the first thing. Um, I, I think the, the, the main issue here with Al Heyman and the PBC is that it failed. And Al Heyman was stuck with contracts with fighters. And the only networks that he works with now are networks that are paying him. And the only one willing to do it because he must be uh, servicing somebody as part of the uh, uh, probably Steven Espinosa because he looks like a freaky dude. Um, and uh, the truth of the matter is, is that he can only put so many fights on in, in one night. And, uh, you know, he's the guy's a scam. Al Heyman was a smokescreen. 
He didn't spend a nickel of his money. He took all that money from investors and spent it. And yes, the fighters made some money. But talk to some of these guys that have been on the shelf. Talk to some of these guys that got sucked in and have not fought. There's guys that Al Heyman signed that never fought. So it's it's a joke. And I am a little surprised that Errol Spence signed with him. Uh, but it is what it is. But uh, Bob Arum, you know, uh, and Eddie, Eddie Hearn. Listen, right now, Eddie Hearn is probably the best promoter out there. And what makes the, the British boxing scene so much better than the U.S. boxing scene is that they're willing to fight each other. And they've proven that it does not affect the value of the fighters. I mean, Sal, that's the biggest gripe I have with, with fighters in the U.S. Here we have this collection of great, talented fighters, and they don't want to fight e each other. And they use the, the, well, it's up to my management, as the excuse. And you know as well as anybody else, if you wanted to fight me and my manager and your manager couldn't agree to a price, there would be a time where you would call up your guy and say, I don't care. I want to kick his butt. Make the fight. I mean, is that true or what? You are 100% correct. That's the that's bottom line. Fighters want to fight each other. It'll happen. And they'll call each other out, and they'll learn how to uh, work on a contract. And that's uh, that's part of the fight. And you know what? They'll take their frustrations out, and they'll have their their, their meeting in a ring, and uh, that's it. All uh, said and done. Matt's next, question. Matt's next question is, do you think Al Heyman will allow Thurman to duck Spence? Or if not, when should we expect to see that fight? I do think that he would allow him to duck him because in his mind, they're building up interest where I think just like he failed with his his blueprint of success when he flooded uh, the market two years ago uh, with his uh, uh, series on TV um, what what happens when you let these fights marinate too much is you have fans that say ah forget it I you know I want to see Spence against Thurman I don't want to see Spence against Ocampo I don't want to see Thurman against Joe Schmo you know I, I want to see these guys fight each other forget it and they start doing other things they get wrapped up in life. Maybe they start, uh, they go fishing, they go hunting, they, they watch uh, different sports, and then all of a sudden, you know, they may catch the fight, you know, a year later. Oh, they're finally fighting now? And then they, they say to themselves, this is why I don't follow the sport. You know, I talk to people all the time, and that's what I have. That's why, this is the exact reason I don't follow the sport anymore. You know, and it's, it's, it's a joke. They're shooting themselves in the foot. These guys are not, they don't give a crap about the sport of boxing. Al Heyman doesn't give a crap about the sport of boxing or his fighters. All he gives a crap about is money. And the fighters don't even care about boxing anymore. They just care about money. You know, I'm not going to knock a guy for trying to make the money. But the truth of the matter is, is if, if you know, try, let me ask you. Do you think that there's any NFL players, and I'm not even into the NFL anymore, but do you think that there's any NFL players that aren't into football? I mean, do you think that there's guys that are playing the sport of football or baseball or basketball or hockey that aren't into the sport? I, I, I mean, I, I would find, if somebody told me that Tom Brady actually didn't like playing football or, or you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, baseball players, uh, you know, Aaron Judge doesn't like to play baseball, you know, I, I would laugh. You know, I mean, give me a break. If they don't like it, geez, what do they like? You know, I mean, you know, but yet in boxing, that's the case. You know how many boxers I talk to that say they don't even follow the sport? It's a joke, Sal. It's a different world today, pal. Like I said, it's a, you know we 
when we fought, we usually we knew every top fighter in every weight class, and uh, we we bumped elbows with them. We did this, we did that, and uh, you know it, it was it was it was the lifestyle. It was the, what was uh, in front of us, and that's what we 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 continually wanted to learn, continually wanted to improve, and we continually wanted to prove that we were the best. And that's 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 the only incentive. I mean, you know that was it. Matt's last question here is uh, who would you ooh, who would you take now in a Spence versus Terence Crawford fight? He says, I will state right now that I would take Spence over Thurman without a question, but this matchup is much more intriguing to me. Wow. You know, I love Terence Crawford. Um, I, that's a 50-50 fight. You know, see, see, here lies another problem, Sal. You got the promoter conflict. You got Bob Arum with Terrence Crawford. You got PBC and Al Heyman with Errol Spence. You know, so that fight is harder to make, which is complete BS. You know, Lou Duva and 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 Don King hated each other, but when the fight was when it was time to make a fight, they got along to make the fights. That's the difference with promoters today. Um, Spence against Crawford, I don't know. That's a fifty-fifty fight, but I'm with Matt. I agree that I think uh, Errol Spence takes out Keith Thurman. He, Keith Thurman has proved to me that he's not all that. He's not. He's uh, he's become a, a plethora of excuses. But uh, Errol Spence against Crawford, who would you take? I think I would take Errol Spence. I think I would take Errol Spence. I, don't know, I think Crawford is, is very good, but I think, uh, you know, what I love is Errol Spence's display of, of his being methodical. We haven't seen the extent of what he can do Boxing and having to cut off the ring because he hasn't had an opponent like like a like a uh, um, Terence Crawford thus far. But I think there's more to him than what we just saw the other night. And I think, uh, like I said, the best fighters will bring the best out of each other. And uh, but I think Errol Spence fundamentally, I think he's solid. I think he's solid. I think Terence Crawford is solid. It'd be a great fight. But I would have to go with Errol Spence. It would be a great fight because both of these guys. Or what we're talking about, they're willing to engage. They're both yes. young, uh, both in their prime. Um, you know, Errol Spence a little bigger, uh, you would think. Uh, but then again, Terence Crawford uh, has made it uh, pretty well known that uh, he's uh, was having trouble with the 140 and, and feels very comfortable. Uh, we'll see, because Terence Crawford has yet to step in the ring at 147. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, one last email, then we're going to take a break and launch our new uh, segment. Uh, Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine. Uh, so and this last one is uh, for Joel, uh, from Joel. He says, hey, Billy C and Sal, welcome back. It wasn't fun without you guys for a week. I was curious what you guys thought of Errol Spence's performance Saturday. And did you feel Lamont Peterson was the right opponent for Spence? I feel that fighting Peterson uh, was a step sideways for Spence in his progression in the sport of boxing. I would love to see him face a Danny Garcia, Thurman, or even Terrence Crawford next. What's in your um What's your Sal's thoughts? Um, well, I, I thought Lamont was the, was a good opponent for him right now. I think we got to see that he's totally ready, and I think that the demand now is right there, right in front of us um, for a potential uh, showdown with either of those fighters, uh, uh, Keith Thurman or Terrence Crawford. So I, I think it was the right move to fight Peterson. Uh, he proved to me that he belongs in all the hype that we've been talking about about Errol Spence. Uh, he backed it up, 
and he took care of Lamont Peterson the way he should have. He didn't let him last uh, or hang around for the whole fight, et cetera, et cetera. No, I, I thought it was a, a good move. Uh, what do you think? I think exactly what you just stated. I think it was a good move. I think it was a good statement, a good test. And uh, like I said, I think uh, I think Errol Spence is going to be around for quite a while. He uh, He's a solid. He's a solid fighter. And I look forward to seeing him every time he goes out now. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. Joel says, I wasn't sure if you guys were aware, but Zab Judas fighting uh, this weekend in Calgary. Uh, he's fighting on Fight TV, which uh, we have uh, wow. our show is on Fight TV as well. He says uh, the fight's taking place in Calgary. Uh, it's his first fight in over a year. Zab is 40 now, and I feel he's fighting uh, simply for a paycheck. The guy he's fighting isn't anyone of note, and I expect him to cruise to a decision victory. I'm sure it's a big deal to the fans in Calgary to have Zab Judah fighting in their backyard. What do you feel in this situation? Well, listen, in today's world of boxing, Joel, what happens is these guys fight nobodies like Zab Judah fighting uh, the nobody in Calgary. He gets a couple of bucks. He gets a W. And then next thing you know, he's going to be a mandatory title challenger and gets one more uh, big payday. That's the way it works. It sucks, but that's the way it works. Because guys like Zab Judah uh, are uh, promoters' dreams because people have they know the name, and they'll try and you know put a fight in front of us like that rather than give us you know Keith Thurman against Errol Spence or Errol Spence against Crawford or Crawford against Thurman. I, you know, so instead, we got to deal with that, and that's the uh, that's the problems. What do you think, Sal? I think you're right. I think you hit a run on the head both times, and. Uh, those are the problems and those are the shortcomings. But hey, we we have to uh, let the, let the process work itself out, and hopefully we'll start seeing uh, seeing the best fights coming forward. Um, listen, we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to be launching uh, our new uh, segment, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to this. It's called uh, Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine, and uh, we will uh, tell you guys all about that. Uh, in a, well, I'll tell you about it right now. It's basically uh, going to be myself and Sal and uh, Alex Papali and my man Dax Khan. We're all going to be uh, uh, talking about uh, a fight. And this first one is going to be uh, uh, Roberto Duran against Julio Cesar Chavez at lightweight. And uh, we're both going to uh, give you our predictions. We're all four of us going to give you our predictions. Uh, we're going to break down the fight. And then uh, uh, my man Alex is going to put it into the title bout game and tell us who won, because none of us know. He's going to do it live uh, on the show. So uh, don't go anywhere. That's what we're going to be doing. All of that in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. 
And uh, we've been telling you guys that we're going to be launching uh, a bunch of new uh, segments on the show. And uh, the first of several new ones for 2018 uh, is going to happen right now. And joining me, um, well, uh, joining me is uh, my man Sal and Alex. And and we have uh, Dax is, uh, we don't have your video, Dax, but uh, we got your image up there. And that's cool for uh, for today. But uh, all three of of these guys are on the line at the same time with myself. And we're going to be launching our new uh, series, Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine. Uh, Roberto Duran against Julio Cesar Chavez. This fight uh, at lightweight. And um, before we uh, get going here, guys, I'm real excited about this uh, this segment. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And and I just want to make sure, Alex, you haven't you haven't cheated because it's up to you, right? You haven't you haven't looked at the results. You're going to run them live, right? Yes, I will. Run a, um, I'll run the simulation live. Okay. Uh, well. I, I cheated a little bit. See, I, I knew he was going to do it, Sal. I told you that he was, man. Unbelievable. He, hey, but we're going to give our opinions not knowing the answers. I know. We, uh, the rest of us, right, Dax? The rest of us are at least going to give us our opinions without knowing what title bouts already said, right? I, I only reason I did it is of uh, the fear of, uh, you know, a computer glitch. Oh, 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 I see. Is that oh, okay? Uh, hey, listen, let just guys make sure you have your pencils ready because if uh, if Alex predicts exactly what happens, uh, we're gonna have to make some modifications to this. But uh, uh, anyway, for this segment, uh, what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna uh, uh, give you guys a, a little uh, a brief description of these two fighters. Uh, first and foremost, Julio Cesar Chavez, uh, f- uh, former world uh, junior lightweight, lightweight, and junior welterweight champion. Uh, he also t- challenged for the world welterweight title. Uh, you know, he had a career record of 107 wins, 86 by knockout. He was only uh, he only lost six times, and four of those uh, were really in the latter part of his career. This guy went 82 uh, wins, no losses, and a draw. And some even have it as 87 wins, no losses, and a draw uh, over the first span of his 14 years of his career before losing his first fight which was against uh, Frankie Randall in 1994, no, and that was a split decision. So, uh, you know, you got, uh, uh, you know, all this talk about that 50-0. and 0. The only uh, significance of that 50-0 and 0 was in the heavyweight division. Uh, but guys like Julio Cesar Chavez, 82-0-1. Um, this guy uh, uh, did uh, very well. Uh, obviously. Now, um, uh, as far as uh, his accomplishments, he won uh, Fighter of the Year in 1987. Uh, the Ring Fighter, that was from the Boxing Writers, the Ring Fighter of the Year in 1990. Uh, several of his fights won awards. He was ranked in 1996 as uh, the sixth greatest fighter of all time by the Ring Magazine. I mean, the accolades go on and on. Uh, who is he fighting against today in our uh, Magic Boxing Machine segment? Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran is a, is a guy that most people... Uh, think of as a guy who fought Sugar Ray Leonard. But the truth of the matter was, was he fought for over a decade before he stepped in the ring with uh, Roberto Duran. Uh, He was a former, uh, with Sugar Ray Leonard, he was a former uh, world lightweight, welterweight, junior middleweight, and middleweight champ. Yeah, middleweight. Remember, he beat Iran Barkley. Iran Barkley was a huge fighter. You know, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007. Uh, I forgot to mention that uh, Julio Cesar Chavez was inducted in 2011. Uh, Sal and I had the luxury of watching an early Roberto Duran fight this past weekend uh, as a lightweight. And uh, one of the things that sticks out in my head, Sal, real quick, is how young he looked. He looked like a baby, didn't he? 
Uh, he looked he looked like a young buck, and I'll tell you what, how athletic he was and how agile. He he uh, he had some speed. He had some good moves, and uh, you know that's the whole thing. A lot of us boxing fans, or a lot of us boxing people, we remember Roberto Duran as a welterweight. What he's done with his bouts with Leonard and all the others, and Carlos Palomino uh, on his way up as a welterweight. Uh, great fight, great test, and. Uh, but he had a whole nother career as the lightweight champ, and he was a devastating puncher at lightweight. He could take a heck of a shot, and the guy, that's where he built his fierce approach to being the champion that he is. Uh, he was just devastating. I mean, he would lights out on, on most of his opponents. He would take a shot, uh, and he did get hit at times. We saw him against Esteban de Jesus when you were down here. And Esteban de Jesus gave Roberto Duran his first defeat. But uh, Duran came back two times and knocked him out. Dax, um, glad you got your video going. Uh, you're, uh, we're going to kick you off with the uh, significance of this matchup and, and what this fight really means from, you know, from a, a fight fan's perspective. I mean, uh, you know, we just talked briefly about these two guys. Most people that are watching this show have heard of both Roberto Duran and Julio Cesar Chavez. But in your opinion, uh, tell us, what's the significance of this dream matchup? And, and why is it so important that we're even talking about this? Well, the first and most important significance of this is, as you already stated, these are, you know, two genuine, you know, top 10 pound, for, you know, top 10 all time greats. Um, and in the lightweight division, even though they won titles in divisions past that, this is where they, they built their legend, so to speak. This is where Roberto Duran developed the hands of stone. This is where uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, you know, developed that, that ferocious style of his that, that you know, made him the, the legend that he was. Um, you know, in terms of what really makes this special is that both these guys carried and still carry nations on their back. Julio Cesar Chavez senior in Mexico is viewed as you know like a boxing god he's he's an idol to uh to all young people he's an idol to his fellow countrymen and the same thing with with Roberto Duran because there's not a lot of um high quality you know a high profile athletes from these countries when you have a Roberto Duran or you have a Julio Cesar Chavez Jr the whole nation more or less looks at them as as their heroes and something that they want uh their children to aspire toward even if not they want them to be a fighter, but they want them, you know, to aspire towards that type of greatness. We speak all the time today about how English uh, UK fans love their fighters. Hispanic rivalries in boxing, as we know, have always been, you know, some of the most exciting, uh, most particularly uh, the Mexico versus Puerto Rico. Now, Julio Cesar Chavez, as a lightweight and super lightweight, and Roberto Duran as a lightweight, were very similar with the way they would just come together and nonstop. And... At some point in time, if this match ever took place, it's the type of fight, because of those reasons, fathers would actually tell their sons about what took place on that night. The story would be passed down from generation to generation till, without video footage, it would almost be more myth than reality. Um, as long as even one of them, though, because of how highly they're revered, no matter what, if Chavez won, the Mexican fans would praise Duran for his efforts, and the opposite way, the Panama fans would praise Chavez for his efforts. Uh, you would hear fathers tell their sons, uh, Piero, pero como un guero, uh, bien por él, which means he lost that night, but he fought like a warrior, good for him. Uh, fathers would tell 
um, you know, other expected fathers, uh, stuff like, you know, Che Tujero on Tunga Fiesta Day, which means, you know, uh, may your son have the strength of Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. or uh, Roberto Duran, because that's how highly looked upon these guys are. So it's more than just a boxing world. Both these guys would literally carry in the nations on their back. Um, excuse my, uh, my Spanish, you know, my uh, pronunciation isn't all that great, but it's also early. <laughs> um so so uh, in in regards of 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 the fight itself why do you feel that um this fight would mean so much if we were able to go back in time and make it happen right now if we were able to go back and grab these two guys in their prime at lightweight uh and, and make this fight happen right now i mean how, how important would it be in the scope of boxing today it, for those exact same reasons, because, like I stated, because they're two genuine top pound-for-pound fighters of all time, not just their era, of all time, and because that they literally carry the nations of their, you know, they both carry the prospective countries of Mexico and Panama on their backs, and that's what would make this so, so uh, you know, such a special fight, due to the fact that the era that they fought in doesn't so much have didn't so much have the type of promotion that we have today, but, you know, if that fight did kind of take place, it would have also set the bar for these other new sensational fighters from these countries to aspire towards. You know, they would actually have something or somebody, you know, to, to model themselves after. As of right now, both these guys, due to the fact they came from past errors, are actually more myth than reality for the newer fans, as we know. Hey, uh, Alex and Dax, do me a favor. Just make sure you, you don't have... Uh... Uh, a uh, external speaker going. I'm hearing uh, some sound in the background. I know I know Sal's is set um, unless he changed it. But Sal, um, the strength and weaknesses of uh, of these two guys going into this dream matchup. Um, first, uh, give us uh, Chavez. What what's what would be his strength and weakness going against Duran, and then uh, follow that with uh, Duran's strength and weakness against Chavez. What would make this fight such a beautiful? display of warriors is the fact that they have a lot of similarities with their strengths um, you know you have Julio Cesar Chavez who was just coming forward marching forward trying to break down his opponent wading through and, and, and avoiding some punches uh, but willing to take a shot to, to land one of his own he had a great chin he had a great solid punch and he was willing to, to exchange, and he would break your opponent down. He'd push him back. He'd be a relentless warrior. And, uh, you know, some of the things that uh, he may have had a little trouble with from time to time, but he'd still figure it out, was uh, fighters that might move a little bit side to side. But he would cut the ring off. That's why these guys were so successful. They were seasoned pros. They learned how to fight different styles. And there were very few flaws or weaknesses that we could find in their arsenal. Uh, as a lightweight, especially, and uh, but like I said, he was a punching machine. He would be a relentless attacker. He would he would throw combinations, and they would land. And um, you know some of his weaknesses again. You know if he got in in a ring, he he was in a ring with a Pernell Whitaker or with a Meldrick Taylor. He still beat them. And uh, you know it was a very controversial. Uh, uh, win he had against Meldrick Taylor when Meldrick Taylor was kind of outboxing him here and there, but ultimately his punch caught up and, and landed with Meldrick, and Richard Steele, the referee, uh, had a had a, had the stoppage of the fight. Uh, it was controversial at that end, but still, it, it did count as a win, and it was a whole thing. Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. was a warrior, 
and there were very, very few fighters at the lightweight division that could withstand a full fight lasting to the very end with Julio Cesar Cervez Sr. Um, Alex, we're going to start with you first. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't go on to Duran as much, but, you know, well, Duran well, was the same way. Go ahead. Um, Alex, we'll start with you first. What, what's your thoughts? Is my mic working? Yeah, we're hearing everything, Alex. You're hearing everything, all right? Um, but uh, especially the tapping. And, by the way, the camera's on, too, you know. No, when you would tap. <laughs> Testing, is this on? Is this on? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we got it. We saw. It. We, we saw. It. We we saw it and heard it. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Everything's good. Um, it was it was some feedback. Anyway, we'll we'll work on this later. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is this: What's your thoughts? How do you see this fight going? What's your prediction of this fight? And then you're gonna go and run the sim. But um, how do you see the fight going? Give us your breakdown and prediction of a matchup between Chavez and Duran at lightweight. Well, I think, like, to, just to echo what everybody said, uh, the significance of it is 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 really big because um, these guys are such uh, warriors, and they both had such tremendously uh, dedicated fan bases. And of course, because their their styles in the ring were so uh, so such gladiators, and uh, they were both. Um, merciless uh, fighters. It's what you imagine a fighter to be. Um, at lightweight, I mean, I think Duran, the Duran who beat Kenny Buchanan um, was a tremendous boxer as well as, I mean, in terms of skills, as well as being absolutely bloodthirsty and merciless. And I think that you know, that's kind of what you want in a fighter. Uh, that is one of my favorite um, uh, fights. It's of of Duran. My favorite Duran fights are the brawl in Montreal and uh, that win over Buchanan. And even that win over Buchanan is controversial. That's the thing about boxing uh, for me is that, you know, controversy comes with it. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, of course, if you watch the fight, it looks very likely that Duran won the title on a low blow. Um, but, uh, it, um, and the brawl in Montreal, he, you know, beat up a, a, a superior boxer. Uh, he, he drew him in and made him fight. Uh, so, I mean, just the, both guys, uh, and Chavez in his defense, I think looking at this on paper, if you think about it though, one of our measures we always do for the blast from the past bill is what's their record against hall of famers. And, um, you know, Duran does a little better. Uh, although both of them, most of the Hall of Famers they fought, they lost to. Um, the uh, Chavez doesn't do as well, because if you think about it, he has the two losses to De La Hoya. He has the loss to Pernell Whitaker. He has lost to Costa Zoo. Um, those are some of the Hall of Famers that he fought. I think those might be the only Hall of Famers he fought. So, uh, But of course, Chavez was absolutely amazing. I mean, his my favorite Chavez fight fights, of course, are Meldrick Taylor, which is one of the best fights of of uh, my lifetime, um, and uh, Rosario. Uh, he really destroyed Rosario. He was like a force of nature, uh, like just the tide. The way there was no stopping him. Uh, that fight started. Uh, Rosario came out of his corner. He got driven into a neutral corner, and that's where the fight stayed, in the neutral corner. Uh, Chavez on top of him just wouldn't let him out. 
um, until he caved in. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know, it's what do they call it? Uh, it's an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. Who wins? What's your prediction? I got to go with Duran. I think Duran has more skill at the end of the day. But I think the thing about it is that uh, Duran, if you catch him, um, Duran has shown that there's times that you could sort of uh, break his um, concentration a little. I think that's what happened um, in the, the no mox fight, of course, which is, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, pock mark on his career. Uh, Sal. Your thoughts, yes. who's going to win the fight? My thoughts going in, as all uh, all being equal, it wouldn't be equal. I think Roberto Duran, in my opinion, and you know, I, I think he, pound for pound, he was one of the very greatest lightweights ever to step into the ring. Not taking away anything from Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. I think he's incredible lightweight as well. But I would think that Roberto Duran is going to have enough enough fire, enough fierceness to uh, take any shot that Chavez could give him and still have the ability to move the way he could. He was so agile at that lightweight division, and he had a devastating punch. And Roberto Duran, I've been in a ring with him, he's got hands like, like heavyweights, clubs. There's a reason why they call him hands of stone. His fists are the size of most bigger fighters uh, uh, like a heavyweight and they are heavy-handed clubs and I'm telling you this as a lightweight there was very few lightweights that could deliver that kind of force and I think that Roberto Duran would have beaten Julio Cesar Chavez if it was a reality fight that man Dax what do you think brother well I think Alex brought up a very valid point where Duran as we all know, not only because he was so relentless at lightweight, he was also at that point, you know, he was also a very underrated boxer, and he had a lot of speed. Um, you know, yes, Chavez, Chavez Sr., you know, his his main attribute was breaking guys down, and Roberto Duran, as again, as Alex mentioned, um, in the rematch with Sugar Ray Leonard, the, no, the you know, the infamous no Moss fight, what happened there was is that Duran became frustrated because Leonard would not oblige that fight. Now, Chavez Sr. would oblige Roberto Duran in standing there and trading. But one thing we do know about Chavez Sr. is he was never really that successful against guys who had a lot of speed. Uh, the Meldrick Keller fight is a prime example. He ended up getting that stoppage late, but for uh, pretty much most of that fight, Meldrick Taylor had his way with Chavez Sr. and he made him look silly. Uh, Roberto Duran, because of that speed and because of the fact that he would oblige uh, Chavez Sr. when Chavez Sr. was you know, coming forward, that he would also incorporate that speed, he would incorporate his movement, and he would turn Chavez Sr. around when he wanted to, and he would literally, you would start to see him break Chavez Sr. down, and I think he would gain a stoppage, because Chavez Sr. would not be used to somebody standing there as strong as him, willing to trade, but there would be nobody there for him to answer back to, and that's why I have to go with Roberto Duran, and later on in their careers, Roberto Duran and Chavez Sr., they both, um, you know, they evolved, but Roberto Duran truly evolved into the full package. That's why I was surprised when you mentioned earlier on into the show about where they were ranked. A lot of times where you see the top 10 fighters of all time, Roberto Duran is always in that top 10. And most of the time, a most credible list, even historians, Roberto Duran is usually ranked above the rest of the members of the Fab Four, meaning Leonard, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Tommy Hearns, and uh, Marvin Hagler, all who have a win over him. So I think Roberto Duran would pull this off and he would beat Chavez Jr. at his own game. All right, so my thoughts here on this fight. 
and all great points. Um, you know, watching recently watching uh, um, Duran as a youngster, I, I saw some deficiencies. Um, and, and one, he was susceptible to the body shot. And, and Julio Cesar Chavez uh, was an expert at working the body, just like Dax said, uh, breaking his fighters down and, and going in for the kill. But just like Alex and Dax and uh, Sal all said, Roberto Duran had uh, uh, speed. He had hand speed. He had movement. He, he, he was a boxer uh, that most people don't realize unless you take the time to go back and watch him as a lightweight. I think that the Kenny Buchanan fight was one of the greatest fights I, I've ever seen uh, from uh, from Roberto Duran. Uh, the uh, Estevan uh, Jesus fights, that uh, the, the, the trilogy of those three fights, three great fights. Uh, Duran losing the first one in a non-title matchup and coming back and knocking out uh, Jesus uh, uh, two times after that. One we watched uh, this past week. Um, if these two guys got in the ring today at lightweight, uh, both in their prime, and, and by the way, I agree with all three of you guys about the Sugar Ray Leonard fight. It was more of a sh frustration, but for some reason, a lot of younger fans seemed to hold that against Duran, which so did the people of Panama. He couldn't go back to Panama for two years. He had to go in disguise as somebody else. They wanted to kill him. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is skill versus skill at lightweight. Uh, as great as uh, Julio Cesar Chavez was, I think his style would have fit perfectly uh, for Duran. The only problem that I do see with Duran uh, was the fact that Duran did hit the canvas. He hit the canvas against Jesus twice, both in the first round, uh, coming back and winning both of those fights. The question would fall on this. Did, would Julio Cesar Chavez have enough power to knock him out with one punch? Um, I think early on in that fight, I think the edge would go to uh, Duran. And like all of you guys, I'm picking Duran uh, in a fight that would end up being uh, a stoppage uh, at some point, uh, maybe a TKO or, or whatever. Uh, Alex, enlighten us. How did title bout have this fight go? Okay, here we go. They're all set to go. 135 pounds, 12 rounds. Oh, I thought 15. you were going to run it while we were giving you our thoughts. thoughts. All right. Okay, it went the distance. And the winner is, by unanimous decision, Julio Cesar Chavez. <laughs> I guess none of us. were 116-111, all three judges. Throw that machine out. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell? What, what, what kind of fix is that? Wait that, a that's, uh, yeah, that's a fix, man. How could that? That, that that's shocks me. Uh, that's what I'm telling that you. Is that to be rewired, when, you, um, when you do it one-on-one, uh, -on -one, uh, want to do a rematch? I could do that. No, uh, no. But, let's but, see if there were knockdowns. Yeah, Chavez put Duran down in the ninth round. You know, uh, you know Durant what, you know what makes you know, you know, you know what's all three scorecards, and then Chavez took over, and in the ninth, he put Duran down. The tenth, Duran came back and won that round, and then Chavez won the last two to to sew it up. One sixteen, one eleven. Interesting. I, you know, my, 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 th my thoughts about this would be simply this. Yeah. Yes, I agree that Duran, uh, uh, that uh, Julio Cesar Chavez would have been able to drop Duran. But the difference is the activity level of a young Duran 
way, way outweighs the, the, the activity level of Julio Cesar Chavez. All they got to do is watch one of those fights, watch them box. Uh, amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised. What do you think, Dax? Well, I'm surprised, too. Uh, you know, you brought up a good point about Duran going down. Uh, in his career, his, could um, Chavez have that one-punch power to really knock Duran out? Um, Duran, when, when he went down in those early years, you know, he got back up. The only guy able to literally knock Duran unconscious was Thomas Hearns. And we know at, at that point in time in Tommy's career, Tommy was, you know, still is one of the, the most, the hardest punchers pound for pound period. And Duran wasn't even at his best weight. I believe that was at 154 pounds. So I, I find it hard to believe that uh, Chavez Sr. would be able to stop Duran. Um, and in terms of the, you know, the scorecards, I can see that happening. Don't get me wrong. Esteban uh, uh, De Jesus, you know, he he outpointed uh, Roberto Duran because Roberto Duran at times could be a little bit overaggressive uh, when he was young, and maybe that overaggression could be used against him. So, you know, it's, it's I'm not, you know, uh, upset with it, but I just think that, you know, Roberto Duran would have came out with the win simply because I think his best attributes, even though um, – how do you say it's each guy's best attributes played into the other guy's biggest weakness? So it's it's you know it's it's a really tough call. But, but it would definitely be one of those fights. One fight, you know, would not uh would not uh decide who was truly the better of the two. The, the, when, the, when I do run a rematch, Duran wins the rematch. And if you want, I could give you over a hundred fights. Uh, Duran does come ahead, way ahead. Duran wins eighty. Chavez wins only fifteen. And there are five draws, and Duran scores 26 KOs. Uh, Chavez was able to score 10 KOs in his 15 wins. So See, overall, yeah, uh, that makes the Billy sense. C Magic Boxing Machine likes Duran big. Yeah, well, you know, you that, know. That's, that's, nothing, that, that's odd because, you know what, Duran lost the first uh, Esteban de Jesus fight, and then, you know, he dominated all the rest of them. He won the first Leonard fight, and then he quit the second one out of frustration. So, you know, Duran, you know, this is a guy – what we always really made him so special is when he went and he fought uh, 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 Davey Moore. Duran was finished, and what did he do? He reinvents himself. He goes and he does better against uh, Marvin Hagler, even though it wasn't as exciting. He lost as well. He did better against Marvin Hagler than Tommy Hearns, the guy who literally starched him cold. He goes and he beats and takes away the world title from Iran Barkley, which Iran Barkley took from Tommy Hearns. Exactly. No, the thing that really surprised me, was that the fact that, um, you know, the one big weakness that's pretty obvious, I thought, with, with Julio Cesar Chavez was his lack of defense. I mean, let's face it. You know, he wasn't exactly a defensive genius. You know I mean? You know, he broke down his opponents. And I thought that, you know, Roberto Duran at lightweight, because of his uh, volume of punches, would have would have won, would have thrown more. But uh, listen, as it as and Dax, you made a great point. Maybe the computer is looking at, you know, those second and third and fourth uh, and hundred uh, other opportunities that uh, that the averages uh, uh, go in Duran's favor. But uh, in any event, listen, guys, we're uh, out of time. Uh, I love this segment. And uh, as time goes on, boys and girls, we will uh, definitely uh, fine tune things. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez loses the first fight. Uh, I'm sorry. Roberto Duran loses the first fight to Julio Cesar Chavez. Uh, all three judges scored at 116-111, but 100 times, like Alex told us, 80 wins for Duran, 15 losses, wow. 5 draws, 26 uh, coming by knockout, uh, giving Duran the edge. 
Uh, like I said, Roberto Duran, former world lightweight, welterweight, junior middleweight, and middleweight champion. He also challenged for the super middleweight title. Was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2007. Had a career record, 103 wins, 70 knockouts, 16 losses in which he was only stopped four times, and no draws. He fought 821 rounds throughout his career. Julio Cesar Chavez, a former world junior lightweight, lightweight, and junior welterweight champ. And he challenged for the uh, world welterweight title, uh, 107 wins, 86 by knockout, only lost six times in which he was stopped four, uh, had two draws, and he fought 634 rounds as a pro. And he, too, was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2011. Guys, I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to the next one. Uh, we'll chat about this uh, some other time, and we'll uh, pick out another good one. If you guys have any uh, dr uh, suggestions for uh, Dax and Alex and Sal and myself uh, to do for this segment, just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be back, uh, I don't know, I I'm thinking uh, maybe uh, two minutes. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. You know, Sal, I'm cracking up here. You know, we're all in the we're all in the chat room. Uh, you know, talking about and and here, you know, I owe you an apology, Sal. I I really me? do. Me? I want to I, I want to apologize to you on air. You know, I you you know I, I've I've been a little mean about you and picking on you about your <clears throat> technical inapt uh, you know inabilities and stuff. But here I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at all this stuff. Dax is like, oh, I, I couldn't hit the right video button. And, and, and uh, Alex is going, oh, I was trying my external speakers. I'm going, yeah, that's why we were here. You know, so it's like I'm laughing between the three of you guys. Where was Jeremy C? Jeremy C was in the chat room and all of a sudden he bails on us, man. I mean, come on, you know, but uh, uh, fun stuff and, uh, you know, not too bad out of the gate. Uh, I'm sure we'll tweet this and uh, it'll be good. I love this segment. What do you think? Oh, I love it. It was great. And, you know, looking back, I, I, I can see, you know, Duran, if he did have a defeat, he learned. Duran was one of those fighters. He learned. He learned how to overcome a deficit or what he took from a fight, and he applied it in his next fight. And uh, so if Esteban de Jesus beat him for the uh, one time, then Duran came back in two, subs, uh, two, two consecutive fights and knocked him out. 
Uh, if Julio Cesar Chavez caught the ram by surprise and would win the first decision, as the computer expressed his dominance over 100 fights, Duran would win 80. And that's pretty much how I would see that going yeah. at that whole uh, fight yeah. scenario. And, and you know, again, it, it, this brings us back to, you know, one of the issues we're always talking about. You know, in, in the boxing world today, they don't give the fighters a chance to, to, to get in, in the ring again. You know, it's fight them once and that's it. You know, uh, oh, I, I fought a southpaw, so I know how to fight southpaws. No, you got to fight 20 southpaws before you know how to fight a southpaw. So, um, exactly. you know, it, it's a joke. And one thing I did forget to mention that's pretty important. One of the greatest trainers of all time was Roberto Duran's trainer, Ray Arcel. I pointed that out when we were watching the uh, uh, fight down in uh, uh, at the CPOMs uh, last weekend. But uh, one more email, then we're going <coughs> to, excuse me, call it a day. Uh, this is from... Uh, this is from Raheem, your man Raheem. Raheem he says, uh, morning, morning, Billy C. and Sal. Raheem here. Hey, Raheem. He says, I want my Bears to win the Super Bowl, but I think that the – well, the biggest problem is they're not in it. But anyway, he says, uh, uh, but I think that the problem is the NFL isn't like baseball. Baseball has no salary cap, and it's a free market capitalism system. If the NFL got rid of the salary cap, it would be good because salary cap is like communism – and Major League Baseball is more like capitalism. And this is America. And even though I don't like the Yankees, the Bears can be like the Yankees so that my Bears can sign all the best players to have a Super Bowl team. Why does the NFL have a salary cap if it makes more money than the Major League Baseball? Um, Raheem, here's the problem, my man. The salary cap in football is the best thing in professional sports, and I'll tell you why. The continuity in the NFL is there. I know it's hard to believe because you see a team like yours, the Bears, and me with the Jets, um, and, and we don't do well. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you have the right people in place that can manage the salary cap and bring the right players in and finagle those numbers, you end up with teams like the Patriots. You end up with teams that uh, build uh, uh, for future and, and finagle uh, numbers around it, et cetera, et cetera. The truth of the matter is the difference between a team like the Patriots and the Browns are only a couple of players or a coach or a GM. That's the only difference. The ba Major League Baseball with no salary cap, they pay what they call a luxury tax. So, yeah, they're free to open up their checkbook, but it's not fair when you have a team like the Yankees who has their own television network and everything, and they have this huge trunk load of cash versus a team like the Kansas City Royals who, uh, you know, who? Do they have a team in Kansas City? You know, so, I mean, what the cap does in the NFL is it equals the playing field. And I, for one, think it's a good thing. And um, I, I do feel your pain with the Bears. I do happen to like the Bears. But I'm a Jets fan. You've been in the, you've been in the Super Bowl sooner than the last time we were. So uh, be glad with that. But trust me, uh, the salary cap is good. Sal, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. It's great to be back. I really like this segment. I think we're going to uh, uh, expand on it pretty well. And uh, tomorrow we'll get a chance to read the rest of the emails I have, plus uh, talk about uh, uh, the big heavyweight fight coming up, some other fights that were signed, and uh, all the latest uh, news. Next week we'll be back full-blown Larry Hazard coming back, the blast of the past, all of that stuff. And then uh, at the end of uh, February, uh, we'll be uh, introducing the next uh, new uh, segment. So uh, we're going to keep things uh, rolling on a positive note. And uh, I know you sound a little under the weather too, huh? You, you're not feeling that well or what? Me? I feel great, pal. I'm ready. I'm, I'm 
put me in the ring. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, come you on. and Marlon, you and Marlon Starling. I had to keep these guys. Uh, if, oh, if, if, oh, if I, we're gonna if, do that next segment. Next thing, Marlon and I are gonna get together and we're gonna we're gonna do a little sparring, a little light sparring, just to show you know a little infighting, a little boxing, a little bit of the fans, just to give them a little bit of a, a taste of what what uh, what uh, what some of the great moves in boxing are all about. No. no. Yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. That's we'll see. I mean, Come on, it'll be very contained. We're professionals. We're gonna know we're not gonna we're not out for any fights or anything. We're just gonna be like two puppies playing. Yeah, I know. Hey listen, man, make sure you guys tune in tomorrow morning. <laughs> same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na